Welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast about why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My name is Malcolm Fraser. On the last episode, I talked about the Grateful Dead, and on this episode, I'm going to be talking about another band whose music and popularity have always baffled me a bit with some very special guests. Mike Hickey, also known as Major Entertainer, lives in L.A. where he's collaborated with comedians such as Neil Hamburger, Tom Green, and Eric Andre. Leet Newton, based in Ottawa, uh, plays with many projects from the sun through a telescope and ham to Great Hunter. But before all that, they were the Ottawa-based synth metal duo Daiquiri, who I had the pleasure of getting to know on this sort of DIY, underground, weirdo music circuit. And we even uh, did a tour together back in 2004, a U.S. tour, which we'll get into uh, on this podcast. We tried not to get too much into the tour stories with moderate success, but we're mostly talking or trying to focus on the band Mr. Bungle. So hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, guys. How would I even introduce how we know each other? Uh, we're all from Ottawa, right? Yeah. More or less. Yeah. But we didn't yeah. know each Definitely. other in Ottawa. Uh, our bands played together, our ba- uh, Permanent Stains and Brandon Walsh played together at a CKCU benefit in 1994. I remember yeah, that, actually, and, uh... and I remember you. You guys were the headliners. <laughs> oh, yeah, that meant right. we played last to nobody. Right, no, right. That's not true. That's not true. There wasn't nobody there. There was just well, not less, nobody, but there was less people less there. People. There was less people. <laughs> that's the time we play with Carp. Yeah, Carp, yeah. Yes. That was the that was the headliners. Brandon Walsh, Carp, and then like the litany of the the famous Ottawa sort of what would you call those emo hardcore bands like Shopmaker, Okara, you know, yeah. just went on and on. Yeah. The way it I was. was. Super into all that shit. I uh, wasn't. No. <laughs> it's a real bone of contention. Right, okay, well, we won't get into that. But um, Okay. <laughs> well, or maybe we will. Um, <laughs> so uh, so then later on, how did we get to know each other? It was through, like, Matt Collins or something, right? That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Mike? I mean, I just kind of remember somehow the world provider and daiquiri started doing things together pretty regularly but i don't remember the link although matt collins does make sense was it with sherpa feast at like yeah. sneaky d's or something <laughs> yeah you were you were doing a lot of setting up back then shows yeah. and shit all for nothing <laughs> <laughs> well I, I remember the first time i saw you malcolm it wasn't in person it was on television Oh, yeah. And you were on the Camilla Scott show. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And I was with Mike, and Mike's like, that's the guy from Permanent Stains. He's fucking lying right now. He's not like whatever you were claiming to be on that show. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole other story. It's like the the topic of the show was, hey, pothead, stop smoking your life away. And my friend Mike, who, who was and still is a huge pothead, uh, <laughs> saw that they were calling for for guests, and I later found out that he asked two people before me, 
um they okay. said no and i of course said yes and uh, <laughs> right. so we went out to the middle of nowhere and we sort of came up with these exaggerated versions of our personalities where i was like a square uh who was worried okay. about him and he was a complete degenerate these are only like slightly exaggerated versions of the <laughs> of the truth yeah that's but, not that's such so a stretch that was such a thing for like weirdo artists and musicians to do in that era would be to like fake a persona and go on these like lame as hell talk shows where like the host stood out in the audience like talking to the <laughs> panel on stage yeah, you know yeah. what i mean i like to think and of Camilla it as kaufman-esque but i but that yeah. would be dignifying it i think a bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just amazed i mean that's the type of thing that like you know 99 percent of people said and that'd be funny but you actually did it so kudos right. to you Thank I remember you. Quintron did it too before I knew him, and I was like, I was like, wow, I was really <laughs> impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he did. He also made his own infomercial and released it on VHS, as I remember. I remember, of course. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the then, thing. like, we, yeah, it's true. We ended up, we were sort of doing shows on this underground circuit, and then we, like, ended up booking this tour. Or I guess Mike, you booked it, uh, which was. Uh, Daiquiri and the World Provider. It was an American tour. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. That's already funny. It's. It's. Uh, it was a, basically a tour of Texas, essentially, because there were like five dates in Texas that the tuna God, helpers yeah. Yeah. set up for us, and then like a few shows on either end. Yeah. Um, well, well, I mean, we did New Orleans on that. Yeah. We did New York City. We, we did Richmond, Virginia, I think, or, yes, or yeah. some. Yeah. Some weird. My God. Winston Salem. Yeah. Oh, South Jesus. Car South oh. Carolina, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. We dropped down through the Midwest. Like we sort of went. We played some suburb in Chicago. Oh yeah. Well, that show was, was canceled, actually. Oh no, actually. Okay. Oh, it was a house the, party. The, yeah. the, the show was canceled, and I remember Mike was like in a panic on MySpace trying to book us another show, and I look <laughs> over to Lee. Lee's lying on the bed reading a book. And he just, without even looking up, he goes, oh, this kind of thing happens to us all the time. <laughs> and then we ended yeah. up playing a house party with the yeah, Faith No More cover band. Faith No More cover band. Which brings me to my... introduced himself as Mike Patton. <laughs> but by, somewhere along this tour, I don't know if I knew this before or if it, if it, um, if it really came to a head on this tour, but I, I realized that... I mean, we, we have, I think it's fair to say, like a certain musical commonality, like maybe it's the vibe of like the Sparks, the Dickies, or this like twisted pop music kind of uh, background. But yeah. then I realized that we also had this very core discrepancy, um, which was your love for Mr. Bungle and that whole musical world. And in, yeah. in the communities that I came from, that was just like shorthand for like everything you don't want to do. <laughs> that is so fucking funny and you're so an accurate too. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so, you're in a lot of ways you're dead on. I mean, no, you you, you are right, Malcolm. There is a, a there is a was a very um, you know ardent sort of school that was like yes, like. This yes, this yes, this yes, this yes, Mr. Bungle, no. Yes. 
<laughs> and Mike and I didn't want to associate with those people either. Most of them were fucking losers. <laughs> well, I mean, right, that, Mike? <laughs> I, I mean, every time I mean, we, yeah, would, I, I, we would play in a town, there would be this small group of people off to the side who, like, somehow it turned out they were always kind of weird and awkward, and it always turned out they they were aware of you through that musical world and community. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, and I have this memory of this particularly horrible show in, I think it was San Antonio. It was at like a sports mm-hmm. bar and they, they had like five bands on the bill, like oh, at least yeah. two more than you want, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was like us, the tuna helpers, a high school ska band, some other band oh, I forget. Yeah. And then yeah. finally a band who was doing the entire nutcracker suite because it was like right before Christmas and yeah. whoever programmed the show put like all the cool bands on early, then the nutcracker suite band and then us. So of course everyone oh, left geez. before, before we played in this huge they cavernous cleared bar. the room with their garbage. Yeah. And after yeah, yeah. I was talking to the guys and I was like, Oh, that was, I can't remember what I said. And they were, they said, Oh yeah. You know, like it's not the kind of thing we normally do. Like, Usually we're into stuff like, of course, Mr. Bungle. <laughs> but I was I was contemplating this as we prepared for this show, and I was kind of like, well, why did I dislike them so much? I mean, I don't know. Like I, I always respected Mike Patton. I liked Faith No More, and I actually saw Mike Patton uh, performing with John Zorn's Naked City when I was seventeen years old, which was a pretty mind blowing show, actually. But I can't figure out, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know how I would feel if I listened to them now, but at the time, it was some, basically, it's the same reason I don't like Frank Zappa. It was just like, we're weird. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but I, I never, mean, I, the funny a, thing is, go ahead, Mike. I can honestly, I can honestly say I never took it that way from them. I mean, I wasn't really a Zappa fan either, but I don't know. To me, that just sounded dated. Like, it just wasn't what i was into when i was like you know uh a young person but yeah i never took mr bungle as like we're weird i mean i just thought that i'd never heard anything like it and it was completely insane and and i still think that like i've i've never still never heard anything else quite like them um and uh yeah i I still think it's pretty insane (laughs) <laughs> i feel yeah. like maybe i should go back and listen to it because when i think back to that resistance i had to it it seems now that i might have been projecting some kind of insecurity because that was what people thought about my music that i was like trying to be yeah weird or whatever I, I was gonna say you know my very first memory of you as a performer or as a person <laughs> the first time i ever laid eyes on you you were like in basically a joke band doing like he-man theme song and i'm just like what like th- this guy is like above the weirdness of mr Bung? <laughs> give, give, give me a give me a break man give me a break hey wait a minute fair enough fair enough yeah. <laughs> but like you know i get what you mean about when a lot of times like when you're young yeah what you said like you may have had your own insecurities and stuff like when i was when i was that age i loathed, hated, and despised things like Depeche Mode and New Order and like 
you know, now I love those bands and, and, you know, a lot of other things that I hated back then, you know, I kind of reevaluated in the last 10 years and I'm just like, ow, oh, I, I love this now, you know? So it could happen to you. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't rule it out at this point, it honestly. Could what about you, Lee? Is there, is there any stuff that you like fully came around to? Oh, it happens all the time. Same with Mike said, like I, I, in high school, I, th- I thought Depeche Mode sucked and, not even <clears throat> a lot of stuff I just didn't have an opinion about because it wouldn't have mattered to me. And, you know, as I get older and more curious and just like figuring out what I missed and I've just come to realize that I missed most everything the first time around. Like I, I know, I'll get right? it on the on the back end like, oh, that would have been a good show to go to. I certainly was the right age, but like yeah, missed it. I wouldn't have been into that stuff back then anyways. I mean, it just I wasn't. I wasn't ready for, yeah, for you know, that. I mean, like, I still think that a lot of Depeche Mode's lyrics suck, and back then that would have been <laughs> enough to put me off. But yeah. I, I like the guy's voice, and I like the, the pop compositions and, like, the sound, uh, you know. So just saying, you know, that's just, – just to use them as an example, but like Lee yeah, said to me, totally it happens different. all the time. It happens all the time. All kinds of things that I missed or that I reevaluate or, you know, whatever. Yeah, usually is a good reason because you wouldn't have given a shit at the time. Like, right, exactly, yeah. and I didn't. So, so tell me a little bit <laughs> about you how you guys got into that whole Mr. Bungo world. Well, for me, um, I was really into. I mean, I was into metal as a teenager, and I was into, but I was always looking for metal with like humor. Like, I didn't really like bands that were like too serious. Um, like I didn't really like Iron Maiden and I didn't like those operatic vocals thought they had cool record covers but I just wasn't my thing but I was really into suicidal tendencies because like they kind of had a punk edge and I don't know they had really cool graphics too I really liked just from the name on down it's just like terrifying slash compelling (laughs) when you're 12 years old Exactly, and when they were and very early, like their their second record, join the army, they were getting into the whole rapping over rock thing, which I liked, and then, you know, I was really like really into Anthrax because, even though they sort of had operatic vocals, they also had funny lyrics and and you know songs about Stephen King books, so it was perfect for a stupid teenager into comic <laughs> books and and horror movies, you know, so. And and then then they did I'm the man a few years later which was another rap rock thing so you know where where to go from there and then one one day just through just through a weird circumstance I heard the song Epic by Faith No More and uh, blew my mind got into Faith No More then the day the Mr Bungle record came out I bought it with Chris Anderson we both bought we each bought a cassette copy and. Uh, <laughs> And that blew my mind, and then I was just like, that was the road I was on. You know, that's that's a very short version of a very long story. But, yeah, man, like, I never, ever had heard anything like it. It was heavy, and it was goofy, and it was kind of menacing, and there was just, there were, like, just nonstop sounds from beginning to end buried in the music, and just, like, like that would come up and go away, and samples, and there was just so much mystery involved, too. It was just... It was crazy. It was so much to take in. But yeah, for like coming from where I was coming from, I lived in the middle of nowhere, super into horror movies, metal, rock, comedy, 
Mr. Bungle was just like everything. It was everything. <laughs> what about you, Lee? Do you remember like the first time you heard them or when you got into them? Um, well, pretty close to Mike's uh, story. Like, I was always into music, but like when I started listening to metal, like that's when I felt sort of compelled to start playing music. But I got into metal pretty late, like as far as metal's, you know, time in the spotlight. Because it was like 89, 90, and that was pretty much like alternative rock was just about to overshadow all the, the thrash stuff. But it was sort of a quick succession from, I mean, I, I did like Iron Maiden, um, but it was sort of like Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, and then Anthrax, like Mike said, I loved all that. That's an amazing kind of goofy like, imagery. Yeah, I sorry to interrupt, but I just I yep. love the idea of getting because Maiden is so I I I was thinking the other day about their aesthetic and their graphics, and when I was yeah. like you know really young, like in Quebec City, ten years old, taking the bus, you saw someone with the Peace of Mind T-shirt yeah. with like a brain yeah. on a plate, and it just seemed like <laughs> too much, like so evil, <laughs> you yeah. know, so wrong. And now today, it seems like campy and and like hilarious. I know um, it's, it's laughable, but I mean, I still think they're amazing. Um, but I love that that description of like Def Leppard, which <laughs> is basically power pop, leading oh, to yeah. Maiden, leading yeah. to Anthrax, and then just Anthrax. on from there, like a just descent yeah, kind exactly. of into weird <laughs> darkness. It was kind of a it was a, a sort of a sticking point for a bit because. Like back then, all the the metal, like we called them, bangers or headbangers, sure. and they were all super mean. Usually, pretty ugly. They all smoked, and they all stank. So it was kind of like stank. this. Yeah. So it was like this. God, do I want to start listening to this music? I'm, I don't want to smoke. I don't want to be a bully. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want black teeth or brown yeah, I don't teeth. Want black teeth and acne. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, I didn't have a choice there, but, um, so yeah, that was kind of, it was kind of a crisis for a second. I was like, okay, I'll grow my hair along. Once I started getting in all the like Slayer and all the thrash stuff, it quickly also became, I just wanted to hear weird music and, you know, stuff that wasn't necessarily metal, but just odd. So then that's how I came to Faith No More because it, it was metal or metallic but it was also all these other things and bungle like i knew mike Patton was in another band called mr bungle because he always talked about it and i heard the first album and it was almost like too much like i heard it probably 93 like two years after it came out and i was i liked it but i was like man this is so dense um so I kind of left it for a bit. And actually, when I joined Mike's band, Brandon Walsh, then those guys were just like, here's all this fucked up music. And then I sort of was like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. So it was like Mr. Bungle and Naked City and Boredoms and Buckethead and all this weird stuff that is amazing. But yeah, you'd expect like virgins to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and yeah, they did. There's, and they did. There's some. Uh, th there's something to what you're describing. That I mean, you know, I guess at the end, it's just like nerd culture. But like you're the the sort of fear of the of the bangers who were like true badasses, 
and then getting into it through this side road of like extremely nerdy music and culture yeah um i when you know you, you were talking about uh shows that you missed out on and i have to I I have to confess that I didn't attend this show, but my brother saw Voivod in like maybe 91 at Porter Hall openers, Soundgarden, Faith No More. I knew you were going to say that, and that's one of my biggest regrets. Same here. In fact, I I was supposed to go to that show with my friend friend Pat from from college, and he just never called me back, so I just (laughs) didn't, didn't act on it. And I think it was I think it was like four days later that that I bought the real thing on cassette at Shake Records on Rito right. Street, yeah. or no record record runner record runner. <laughs> I wasn't quite going to gigs at that time. I was going to concerts. Right. <laughs> My God, I remember like this gig that um, played, and this is in a different sort of musical uh, subculture, but it was um, the Gruesomes, Shadowy Man on a Shadowy Planet, uh, Deja Voodoo. And uh, EJ Brule, who was a like a rock, like a one man band, and they were playing at Porter Hall, and I didn't go because I was scared. Like, uh, <laughs> that's so weird. I was hey, like, I know the fear. I was like 14, yeah. 15, and I would just like, that's you know, looking back, it's ridiculous. I'm sure there was no one. Well, you know, I've seen a few fights started at like raining sound shows. So like you know there there might have been some some hellraisers there but yeah you never know nothing dangerous probably oh when i was 14 and like going to see motley crew at the civic center i was terrified of yeah. approaching that building <laughs> terrified <laughs> i thought i was i was going to get beat up for being a, a little kid oh my yeah, god exactly. that just reminded me of another show on our tour um where we played in denton a suburb of texas Yes, and, and when I saw it on the on the rooting, I was like, "What? Why are we playing there? Like, we're gonna get our asses kicked." And I, I, <laughs> and we we arrived in town, and I went straight to like the hippie cafe to get a to get tea because I had a sore throat. And um, I walked into the place, and I went to go to the bathroom, and I went to the bathroom, and there's a big sign over the door saying "Question Gender." Wow, and I was like, <laughs> I think I've misjudged this town. <laughs> I think they're gonna be okay, man. They were they were early. They were early they on. Were way that. ahead of the yeah. curve on that, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It must I remember, have been like Austin adjacent or something. Yeah, I remember being told it was like you know, it was a hip town. Yeah, yeah. Which I one was that? Denton. It was like we we kind of played in like this dark room with a low ceiling on the floor. I just remember it being like a super indie scene, and there, there was a good crowd. It was like oh, help it was a it was a, it there up. were a lot of people there. They were really into it, and it was all like queer art students. So I really like ate my oh, prejudice that. about the <clears throat> the small town. And then we went to that crazy after party where <laughs> right. people were like putting out their cigarettes on the furniture and stuff. And <laughs> I just thought this is oh, just yeah. this is just God, dark. Malcolm, what was your initial exposure to Mr. Bungle? What was your aversion? And, and like, exactly. And um, how did you square that when we hooked up and started, you know, uh, what's <laughs> the word? Our, our, our camaraderie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like you, I think, I mean, as I said, I, I liked Faith No More. And I had a certain respect for Mike Patton after seeing that Naked City show. And, um, and I was just... Was into that New York City? 
No, I mean, it's, this is crazy. I was on a European vacation with my parents and my brother when oh. I was 17. <laughs> Whoa. And we went to a jazz festival in The Hague, uh, Netherlands. Wow. I saw Miles That's Davis. crazy. Which is which? I was way too young to appreciate. Right, how... you're like boring. <laughs> it probably was fucking like '80s Miles Davis. He, he played uh, Cindy Lauper's "Time After Time" and Michael Jackson's "Human Nature" in the in the set, which I nice. Even at the time, I was like, respect. Like that's those songs are both awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and we saw Naked City. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like. I had, I had no idea what to expect and it was totally crazy and pretty, pretty mind blowing. As I, as I said, yeah. I mean, That's the band cool. is like Bill Frizzell, you know, it just goes on the whole, it's like a super group basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was kind of almost like a melt banana in a way. It was just like, you know, Oh, this song is called uh, fuck you. <laughs> okay. This next song is called, you know, like sack of shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember that. He said, this song is about this festival. It's called sack of shit. <laughs> anyway. Amazing. What a jerk. So I was into, I was, you know, I, I, I probably would have chafed against this description at the time, but I was basically into anything weird. Um, you know, Captain Beefheart, whatever like happy flowers like anything that was that was crazy and the, that had weird Residence. song titles yeah Were you into the butthole surfers butthole surfers absolutely yeah i had yeah. like five of their records um, i bet you were into the dead milkmen uh, very much so <laughs> i i heard slight... did ween figure into that oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i hear a slight slightly accusatory tone in the words dead milkman but i'll just you know just let that slide i i loved them at, i got that too i loved them at the time <laughs> no you know I, I i i was curious about dead milkman just based on the, their name you know i got bucky fellini i thought it was pretty funny but they never really you know struck me in that way that you'd like become obsessed you know yeah fair I enough like that one song the video there the punk rock girl yeah well, you know, I was into Weird Al as a kid, so I always had that oh, so like was I. attraction to no, <laughs> no? Mike. <laughs> Mike is slapping his head right now. It's like, I love the weirdest music. Oh, Weird Al. <laughs> you, Mr. Bungle, they're just trying to be weird, but I love Weird Al. <laughs> okay. Well, to be fair, I, well, let's not get into let's not get it go down that road. That's a whole other road. Yeah, that's another down. episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, which different guests with different guests um so i guess like to get back to your question like i don't even know what motivated me but i bought the tape too and i don't even remember the name of the album but it had a, a clown on the cover which, self-titled okay and i just i don't know it was just, maybe it was just the time maybe it was just a transition in the in the musical like journey that i was going through but i was just like just seemed annoying <laughs> yeah i mean that's kind of part of what i liked about it but go on <laughs> well <laughs> i think that's like that's at the core of it ultimately at the end of the day something like um i don't know sparks or uh so many of the other artists we've cited so far like there's like there's a there's a melodic um or there's a pop sensibility at the core which like it might be there might be weird icing on the surface, but at the core it's it's like pleasing to the Pop. ear. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and I liked a lot of music that was not melodic or that was not catchy, but I guess, you know, maybe the, the key question there is like, if, if you would admit that it's annoying, what about that was appealing to you? I, I don't even know. In fact, I've always not only been attracted to annoying things, but I wanted to do that too. And I did. Well, I think you've accomplished that in your career. I I, I definitely, definitely. I I mean, I've, I've done that to death. I've done it with Lee. I've done it in multiple countries, multiple places. I've annoyed people uh... all over the globe. (laughs) I mean, I will say people longer you've been alive. I, I will say I've definitely left that, in in my rearview mirror far in the past but um well, yeah no for, for for a time in my life that was a very very important thing to me and i i can't even explain it but i sure did like it <laughs> so when you heard the music w- were you thinking like this annoys me and i like no, it no i wasn't annoyed you were like this I, I would annoy annoyed. people who i would want to annoy i mean i can only I mean, I assume that it, it, this was going to annoy some people, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And I know in their live shows, they, they were purposely uh, antagonistic with the audience, as, as were some other, you know, acts that I, were, that I was very obsessed with uh, around that era. Zip Code Rapists being a prime example of a band that would just, like, torture, <laughs> or at least it seemed like they would torture an audience. And yeah, I mean, I... I, I definitely took that influence a little too far (laughs) i just thought it was fun and funny it's a hard road when you look up and aspire to that kind of stuff (laughs) well i have i have this this uh, another great like memory from the tour we were in new orleans maybe a day off i don't remember um we were having having drinks with uh, heidi the woman who was putting us up and uh I had maybe had a few drinks at that point and I was like, so what's, what's up with like, why do you guys like all this music that like nobody likes? <laughs> and Lee, I remember, I, don't the, remember that. I remember your reactions very vividly because Lee, you were like, okay, dad. And, uh, <laughs> and then Mike gave this extremely like articulate and passionate defense of like the genre of music that you wow. guys, uh, Wow. I wonder. I wonder what I said. I wonder what you said. I don't remember that at all. I mean, it's a bit blurry, honestly. It was. A, it was a long I've time had... ago, and alcohol was a, was a factor with, with me. I wasn't. I never had to drive the car or anything, so I was just kind of like partying the entire yeah. time. Well, I remember you the next day after the New Orleans show. You were rough. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that I remember. We went. We went to. Yeah. We went to get po' boy sandwiches. And oh, yeah. yeah mine, Malcolm mine, was, might, not have, might not have stayed down. You were kind of like, you know, sulking around the parking lot in a long jacket, I remember. Yeah, and we long and we jacket. did we did a radio show afterwards, <laughs> the, the morning after the, the gig. Uh, I yeah. was in really, really rough shape. And uh, <laughs> I have a, rec- a tape recording somewhere, which I've never listened to. I think we did a you live do? performance on the air. Like some what? like bullshit music yeah <laughs> yeah probably with casios and yeah stuff. someone brought a casio and we just like hit a button on it and started like making noise man if you could find that tape let me know because uh, i need i need to remember this stuff i it's i wish i did 
And do you also remember that we recorded a whole Christmas album with Quintron? I remember I have that. And uh, Bethany from the Tuna Helpers. And at MC Tracheotomy's MC house. MC Tracheotomy. Yeah. It was very... Oh, yeah, I remember that. His name is Jesus Christ. Yeah, remember yeah. that? That's the only part I remember, to be That's honest. That's the only part <laughs> worth remembering, but it was good. Yeah. I wonder if that was ever... I, mean, I seem to remember it being intended to have a, an end goal of some kind, but I don't know if it was ever released or what. I have the tape. You do have the tape. I have the tape. I have the only tape. Okay. My memory of it is that you you got a tape and instantly lost it. That's right. And I found like I, that day, that hour. I, <laughs> I found it years later. <laughs> and I Amazing. I was so happy to find it. I mean I Oh god. Well, it's Christmas is I coming. mean, it's it's in my parents' basement, so it's lost again, but at least at least I know where it is. No, yeah, we should release it. We will release it. That's so funny. Yeah, it's uh it's really weird sounding. It's it sounds exactly like the sort of thing that I would have loved to own back then. It was just like really low fi and like I remember we were singing along to like you know, records playing on a turntable and Trake would put his finger down in the middle and warp the record. I mean it was exactly yeah. exactly the type of thing I loved. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this, but yeah, we did our show at the Circle Bar, and Trake wasn't actually on the bill, but he was in attendance. And then yeah. after the show, Quintron was the promoter. And then after the show, the whole group of us went back to his his house. And I, I'd never, I mean, this is the point of the story, I'd never in my life seen anyone living like this. No. I mean, I mean, like, there were there were entire walls to the outside that were just blown out with like a a, a blue tarp just kind of like billowing in the in the wind <laughs> he lived do, in do, the do you remember that fucking fight club dude like, yeah that's... i mean it was just this dilapidated mansion with like yes. garbage piled everywhere i mean furniture and like newspapers to the ceiling and it was dark as night i mean it was just it was un unbelievable yeah. and he had these beautiful dogs and I don't know. It just seemed like anyone could have walked in there, but I, I just, I, I feel like nobody in their right mind would. And I guess that's, that's yeah. just how it is. That's just how it is around there, you know? So getting back to Mr. Bungle, uh, they, they actually had a reunion uh, tour recently. And Mike, I believe you saw them uh, right before the pandemic hit, right? Well, just under the wire. I saw like I saw um, a bunch of their shows like and then a few weeks later it was, oh, it was everything was done. Like literally 2 weeks later. It was in February and then by early March, yeah. And how was it? How how were the reunion shows? Well, I mean, it it was it's nothing like it's nothing like the bungle of of, you know, the Warner Brothers years. It's like a new lineup and everything, so it uh it's kind of like a, it's just a different thing. Like they basically re-recorded their their teenage demo um, from when they were like a pure thrash metal band with like a little bit of humor. But on this new recording, they kind of eliminated the humor and just went for the thrash. They like left off the songs that that had any sort of goofiness in them. Yeah. Well, I guess they left a little bit a little bit of the 
humor in, in that song Hypocrites. But yeah, they got like Dave Lombardo from Slayer on drums and Scott Ian from Anthrax and SOD on guitar. So it's just a different sound. It's it's you know, but you know, they're it's they're scratching the itch. Metal. They're scratching the itch that they wanted to scratch, so yeah, yeah. But all together it was a good Yeah, I mean it was fun seeing them play together again, like the the three original members. And it was really cool hearing these songs that I'd only ever heard on, like, a lo-fi tape, you know? I mean, really lo-fi. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. And, Mike, you actually collaborated with Trey Spruance, one of the guys from Mr. Bungle, who produced your recent record, right? Yep. Yeah, we've, um... Yeah, Trey produced the Major Entertainer record, which Lee, you know, did like, you know, 90% of the music for, 85, 90, he did a lot of the music for it, most of it, and, uh, yeah. What was it like? Uh, it must have been cool collaborating with someone who you always looked up to that way. It, it was insane. I mean, it's, it, it is insane. Um, it's also fun, too, because, like, you know, remember I said, like, a lot of Mr. Bungle was kind of shrouded in mystery, and, like, there were so many, like, just interesting sort of asides, you know, especially to do with their recordings. And, like, you know, I've had endless hours to, like, grill him on these, like, minute details, and he's more than happy to talk about it. So it's Okay, really... that was going to be my next question. Did you geek out? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's no... You didn't feel awkward fanboying out? No, not at all. I mean, I mean, I didn't... Well, we've known each other for many, many years, and... um you know, he knows the deal. <laughs> he knows he knows where I stand. And he knows where Lee he knows where Lee stands and yeah, it's it's I mean I think it's fun for him too, you know? Yeah, sure. So would you guys say that you're still full on fans to this day? Hell yeah. Absolutely. For me. Yeah, full on fan for a band I listen to I mean, years go by for me listening to the Bungle albums just because I just overdid it so bad like for a good stretch of maybe five years it was like not all i listened to but it was a lot of what i listened to and aspired to so yeah you kind of i revisited yeah, I mean, every now and then and it's it's right. some of that stuff still like their second album disco volante i'm just like blown away that they've put out such a weird album i mean it's got to be one of the weirdest major label releases ever 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 and some of it still easily is so confusing to me that yeah. reminds me of uh, another conversation we had back in the day because i think when we did our tour it was sort of the twilight of the major label cd era and my perspective was of course like you know good riddance throw it in the garbage and lee you made quite a passionate argument that there were all these sort of weird bands like whether it was ween or the Butthole Surfers, or Flaming Lips, or Mr. Bungle that got introduced to a much wider audience because of their major label deals. Yeah, there was a good run of that for like in the that was, that was a real sort of early '90s thing, and I Melvin's find a lot too. Melvin's too, and they're the exception. But I find a lot of those bands who did sort of sign up like their first album would be amazing, maybe their best album, and their second album would be kind of. It's like, <laughs> like Shudder to Think and 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 uh, Jawbox and you know probably more. I can't think of any right now, but yeah, it was pretty interesting. 
to say the least. Yeah, Malcolm, also, uh, like Lee said, I mean, I'll go years without, like, putting in those bungle records on, since we're really focusing on... I, I thought you kind of wanted to, like, razz me about, like, all the, like, goofy circus music <laughs> I like, but if it's just bungle, hell yeah, we can talk about that. But yeah, I'll go years of listening to it, because, like Lee, I kind of, like, I kind of squeeze that sponge, you know, dry, and, you know, like, what more... And then years go by, and, you know, you, you know, I kind of will change a little bit in my head or and then I'll listen to it again and I'm just like again amazed I'm like wow this is so cool yeah um and interesting still you talked about uh like circus weird circus music as a genre are there any other bands that you would shout out from that genre that were influential on you guys oh well I mean no one listening to this or or not listening to this will know this band except Lee Village Idiot. Uh, they were, they were like, to me, they were as incredible as Mr. Bungle on their first, uh, the first tape I ever heard of them. It's a band called Village Idiot. They had one little demo out, five songs, um, out of Portland, Oregon, and they were just, just as incredible, just as insane, weird cartoon music with humor. But it was done with like a virtuosity, and uh, they they never they I don't know. And then after that tape, their sound totally changed. But I don't know, Lee. That was one of the bands that Mike introduced me to when I joined Brandon Walsh, and and um, yeah, it was incredible. They were they weren't as dense as Bungle, but they had they had because they had every, no budget. Yeah, exactly. They were on a much lower. I mean, they probably would be if they could, but. Yeah. It was the exact same sort of mentality and, and approach. Uh, well, it was also uh, Stump was a big band. They're not circus. Oh, but, um, yeah. They, they were super weird, kind like but in a poppy kind of way. Yeah. I guess one of the things for me, sort of realizing the existence of this scene, was that, like, you know, Mr. Bungle, love him or hate him, they had their own thing. And I, I just didn't get the idea of imitating that like to me someone like mike Patton is influential because you take his originality and try to find your own originality not like trying to imitate what he did or what they did and it seemed like a lot of those bands were just doing that i think we probably hated a lot of that stuff like whatever was these whatever circus bands were inspired by that probably most of them are terrible and we Spent all hours of them were terrible. Of them. Yeah, all like of them. I mean, clowny and oh, God. That, yeah, never mind. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> there's there, I mean, there's one band that in particular, I mean, there were so many bands that listened to that first Mr. Bungle record and then the second, and they just kind of took it the wrong way. And yeah. like one of one of the most disgusting examples of that which no one's heard of because thankfully they never really did much was called dog fashion disco but they still oh, have God. fans they still have fans we played with we them once once, at least. once yeah but we'd always was... sort of be on these parallel paths with them and there was a link between them and Tubring, who were good friends of ours and yeah yeah like I think oh, we even passed them on the highway, on the freeway once in America. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like, right. There they are, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but the funny thing is, Malcolm, if you took, if you took Bungle the way I take them, then my God, I mean, I don't even know how you could talk to us. 
<laughs> well, guys, th thank you uh, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love hearing your enthusiasm for this band, and I think I should probably give them another shot. Um, and I, I hope that we can uh, get together and shoot the shit about music uh, off mic sometime. But uh, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks, Malcolm. I don't know if this is a good podcast, but it sure is fun to talk to you guys. Likewise. Yeah, I don't know if it's any good, if it's interesting for anyone but us, but anyway. I think it is. Matt Collins. Matt Collins will enjoy it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to check out the Spotify playlist that Lee made of Mr. Bungle and related music. It's quite a good one. You can find that on the homepage of the podcast or on the What Is This Music Facebook page. Thank you all very much for listening and be sure to tune in next week.